Hey everybody, welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and this is interview number three of three on the topic of pastoral leadership. If you've been here for the past two episodes, yes, you're going to hear the same questions again, but we'll see if our guest today can answer them the exact same way. I hope I answer them right. I hope you answer them right. I, I think I, it's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're a good leader. Hey, everyone, if you recognize that voice, you know that Pastor Scott Irwin is back with us again today. Scott, you were on here, I think it was late spring. Yeah, to talk like a while about, ago. Yeah, talk about professionalism in the church. We have you back here today to talk about pastoral leadership. Yeah. Before we get into our actual questions, I would like to know, what in the world do you do here? Because I always forget what your actual job title is. You know what? We were just going over this yesterday uh, because I needed my full title and we had to look it up. So my my title here is uh, Assistant Pastor of Community Life and Students. Community Life and Students. Okay. Yes. I knew the students part because obviously we've been doing that part together yeah. a lot, but I forgot the actual wording. It's not youth pastor. I always knew it's not youth pastor, yeah. but yeah. that is part of it. <laughs> What's been fun about doing these interviews is we've gotten a, a range of different types of pastors and also duration of time in ministry. Uh, first episode, we had Pastor Ben here. He's the campus pastor here, the guy that you are assisting pastoring, pastoring mm -hmm. along with. He's only been here five months. Then we had Pastor Will Rose, liturgical parish pastor down in a Lutheran church in North Carolina, been the pastor there for 10 years. Wow. And now you're here associate pastor, working with a community, bringing community together, working with the youth. Mm -hmm. You've been here five? Is this five years now? Yeah, this is, it'll be five years next July. So next I kind of just ticked that over. Cool. So did you get like a mug or something? Five. No, no. I have, maybe it's on back order. It's stuck in the ocean. Is that still a thing? Probably. On a shipping container? Yeah. We're going to forever use stuck in the ocean somewhere yes. <laughs> as an answer. So as we have been doing, uh, we're going to be talking about leadership today, specifically four areas of leadership, servant leadership, mentoring, vision casting, and being a change agent. Okay. Um, these are the areas that we've been talking about. Have you ever taken a leadership class? Um, you know, I, I was actually thinking back. I don't know if I have sat in like a specific leadership okay. class, some pastoral ministry stuff, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd be, you know, I'd be interested to hear kind of what the what the class looks like. I know we talked a little about curriculum, but yeah, it's been a lot of reading, mm -hmm. four books, articles every week. It's yeah. it's mostly reading. It's a big emphasis on reading. Um, there is no like applied learning of yeah. going and being a leader or anything <laughs> like that. One cool assignment though, who is the biblical person that we always idolize when it comes to leadership? Moses. Ooh, Moses. I don't know. Is it Jesus? <laughs> Nehemiah. Oh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. You oh, know, that's that's the big one. Yeah. I don't actually know what the book of Nehemiah is actually about. It's always presented <laughs> as a leadership book. Yeah. But um, for this class, I have to journal my way through the life of David. Oh, cool. And looking at leadership through the lens mm -hmm. of his, you know, Reign as king. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been different. It's been interesting. A lot of leaders in scripture, good and bad, and yeah. Successes and failures. Maybe that's why I'm not writing a paper on Pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into these then. Starting off first with servant leadership. Mm -hmm. 
if you've ever read a leadership book by Christians, you know that servant leadership is often put forward as the biblical way to do leadership. Mm -hmm. This is the way. How would you define servant leadership? Oh, I would define, I probably would define it biblically as putting others' interests over yourself. Um, and I guess whatever capacity your leadership falls under. Okay. I think that Philippians passage um, speaks certain leadership well. And we're actually looking at this this, uh, this weekend out of uh, the upper room discourse and Jesus coming as a servant, being a foot washer hmm. um, and sitting in that place of service rather than power and authority um okay first and foremost this passage in philippians you reference would that mm -hmm. be uh in chapter two yeah have your mind like jesus mm -hmm. being of a servant okay yep. put others in just before yourself and it's because you know christ didn't consider equality with god a thing to be grasped so have this example of christ coming and serving and dying even a death on the cross and Hey, that's the person that we're supposed to model our, you know, our, our leadership after not Pharaoh. Sure. Uh, you know, we have, it's really funny. You have all these like incredible um, people in scripture. I think, especially the old Testament, I guess even the new of Pharaohs and mm -hmm. Kings and Caesars. And you know what? You don't hear about them a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Scripture focuses on the ones who came to serve. I like that. Scripture focuses a lot on the ones that came to serve because you're right. You do get these mentions of other kings. And I guess when you get into maybe uh, some of the history of Israel mm -hmm. in like first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, you do hear a little bit more about these, um, these other Kings like Ahab yeah, or Jezebel, yeah. but it's more, those are more so because then you get to see Elijah and Elisha's like ministry yeah. during those times. That's good. And that actually goes a little bit into our next question. Again, servant leadership is built up as like, this is the model. Mm -hmm. Is this the way for pastor pastors to lead or is it a way, an option? I do think that there has to be a level of self-sacrifice when you're serving pastorally and, and i guess it depends what what you're comparing it to like if you're comparing okay. it to just kind of a modern day understanding of of how to lead um yeah there is going to be some difference in the way that a pastor okay. leads self-sacrificially um is it the only way to lead that's a that's a good question and i think that your leadership as a pastor has to be marked by self-sacrifice in in some way. I think that's going to look different for everybody okay. also depending on kind of what your ministry is or what your specific ministry oversight is. But um, yeah, there is no, there is no pastor who is, uh, there shouldn't be a pastor who is in it for themselves. Sure. Sure. Okay. So what I'm hearing you saying is that, um, Yes, but the practical application of that will look different from how it was demonstrated in scripture and even between pastor and pastor because of context. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that makes sense. I mean, 
how we apply theology today is, you know, it depending on the area and the whatever we're talking about, there are mm-hmm. different ways to apply that to our lives mm-hmm. than in the biblical times. So leadership, again, I think you, you're right that you do have to have this level of self-sacrificing that is like base minimum. Yeah. 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 It's definitely core to the position. Um, yeah. And sacrificing, I guess self-sacrifice is internal and external. Okay. So I'm like, I'm sacrificing for others, but I'm also s- sacrificing um, maybe personal desires or wants, or, you know, definitely there's an aspect of every Christian dying to themselves, mm-hmm. sacrificing their own flesh and their own uh, desires for the purpose of following Christ. Um, so I think that aspect exists in, in pastoral ministry. Um, and then obviously there's a sacrifice for others that also exists in the pastoral ministry and the Christian life in general. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think how that specifically affects, you know, a pastor rather than just a, um, just, a, a believer. Okay. You know, like, do you, sure. I guess there's a distinction there. Probably a little bit. I mean, like you said, all Christians are called to pick up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, we all have a self-sacrificing element in following Jesus. We are to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just in a leadership position, in a pastoral position, you have to be more mindful of it. Mm-hmm. That has to be more front and center in how you deal with other people. Obviously, we all should, again, mm-hmm. be sacrificing and putting one another above each other. But a pastor, like that is part of what yeah. we are expecting you to do maybe. Yeah. And, and maybe it is more um, kind of broadly, broadly focused to your congregation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, the general congregant um, doesn't sacrifice or feel the weight of the whole congregation necessarily. Mm. I think of, you know, when Paul talks about the fact that he, um, concerned for and labors and carries the weight of all of these churches that he has planted. Um, You know, like the church in Philippi probably wasn't feeling the same weight or burden that Paul was feeling for the church in Corinth. Okay. Um, And so maybe there's a more, uh, maybe there's a, there's a broader burden to carry for the pastor um, that is self-sacrificial that the average congregant maybe wouldn't have. Maybe. I think that makes sense. And, you know, in the last question, you were bringing up examples of like Pharaoh and these leaders mm-hmm. in scripture that, you know, they are not modeled as people that we should follow. And when we talked, when I talked to Ben, that was something he brought up in this question of like, there's examples of other forms of leadership all throughout the scripture. Mm-hmm. They're not good examples, but there are, there are other paths to take. Yeah. This is the one that keeps, you know, this is the one that Jesus had for us of mm. living a self-sacrificial life. So yeah. I think you're on the same page with Ben at least. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm going to, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I was reading um, uh, that Tom Holland book, um, not Spider-Man, but uh, the other Tom Holland historian. And there, there was mentioned, he had mentioned um, a King. I think it was either Darius or Cyrus. I can't remember. Okay. But who is presented as, um, in the old Testament, 
mm-hmm. a type of leader that should be exemplified, hmm. which is so interesting. Um, it maybe just showed like the depths of the Israelites' uh, failures to, you know, establish <laughs> a king who would follow the Lord well. Um, but yeah, might be it might be something interesting to look into. Yeah. Huh. I also didn't know that there's a Tom Holland who isn't Spider-Man, but a biblical historian. Yes. No, not even a biblical historian. He's, I think he's an agnostic, but. um, Did he write that book Kingdom? Is that the the guy you were telling me about? Yes. I think I, yeah, I can't, I'm blanking on the title, but just search Tom Holland and scroll through anything that doesn't look like Spider-Man. Okay. And you'll find it. Good to know. (laughs) Because that sounds like an interesting read. Okay. So that's servant leadership. Now we're going to get into three areas that are often seen as like must-haves for pastors. The first one is mentoring. Yeah. Working alongside someone, training them up. And I know from personal experience that you have done this a lot. You have had a handful of interns during your time here at Bethel Church. I was one of them. You had two this summer. Um, So you've been in a, a number of relationships where you are mentoring somebody. What role should a leader play in the life of someone they are mentoring? Mm. Yeah, I think I think of um, mentoring and maybe discipleship in the same okay. kind of breath, right? Uh, and you know, you disciple different people um, differently based on where they feel God is calling them. So maybe, you know, I have, I've worked to find guys who are maybe interested in ministry as a career. Okay. And maybe that falls under a little bit more mentorship okay. um, because, you know, every pastor is called, every Christian is called the discipleship. Mm-hmm. But as it um, pertains to the role of mentorship, I think that um, mentor isn't necessarily a person who has all of the answers, but will help, uh, someone filter through um, decisions that they have to make or maybe um, guide them down the path that they themselves might be a little further further on. Um, so like last year, uh, we had a student here who was interested in ministry over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I took maybe a more specific interest in, in him and kind of uh, his walk his interest in ministry, where he wants to go. Um, and, you know, now he's off pursuing, uh, you know, a Christian education, a ministry degree, because he's interested in, in pursuing the, um, you know, a pastoral position. But yeah, as it goes for role, I think a mentor really, really acts as maybe a sounding board and a guide. Okay. Sounding board and a guide. Okay. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you that um, mentorship and discipleship, I think, yeah, it does look a little bit different when you're working in leadership, but in many ways they are synonymous terms Mm -hmm. here. I agree that um, in this type of environment, you are looking, I think you might be the only one who has brought this up so far, that you are looking specifically for, you're not just discipling someone, Mm -hmm. you are helping them, guiding them towards getting to a specific ministry goal or understanding what ministry looks like. Mm -hmm. You're not just, Hey, let's sit and read scripture together. Like there's an end goal, a specific end goal in mind. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think one of the roles uh, a pastor plays and in in one of the most important things in pastoral leadership is to raise up people, like raise up the next generation uh, of pastors because um, we're constantly turning the church over to new leadership in the next generation. And those men, those women in leadership positions need uh, guidance and expertise just as each pastor who currently sits needs mm-hmm. to be mentored and discipled and needs to be guided. Yeah. Okay. But I love it when, I love it when students and young men have an interest in ministry and uh, I can maybe help guide them in a next step towards that, that goal. Nice. So with that in mind, then when you are in a mentoring situation, when you are helping someone, understand what ministry looks like, getting them down the road to getting into ministry. What are two or three things uh, you like to impress upon them? You want to pass along to them? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess in, in mentorship. Okay. So I guess in a mentorship relationship, uh, relationship, the first thing that I like to impress, especially on students who are interested in ministry mm-hmm. is the importance that their character will play in their leadership. Like there, okay. there are decisions that can be made today that can seriously hinder or even disqualify you from mm-hmm. ministry in the future. And so, you know, just impressing on them the importance of, of finding uh, wisdom and right guidance now. Okay. Um, so that they can continue to take steps towards ministry. Um, a lot of times I like to, I I enjoy taking on interns and helping them understand the ins and outs of ministry. Like that ministry isn't always fun and always glamorous, especially like, um, you pull in maybe, uh, interns, interns for youth ministry. Um, they're, there are aspects of pastoral leadership that, you know, are not necessarily fun mm-hmm. um, or that can be lonely um, sure. and just helping, um, helping guys understand what the job actually looks like, what mm-hmm. discipling people actually looks like, what coming sure. alongside a congregation actually looks like. Um, because I think sometimes there can be this, uh, just this, like, you look at ministry through rose-colored glasses, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be fun all the time, or I'm going to be studying right. all the time, and I'm going to be writing and preaching awesome sermons all the time. And, right. yeah, that's, like, that, there's definitely aspects of that, but that's not uh, that's not the vast majority of, of what you're doing. Sure. It's, it's fun. This answer, this question specifically, it's been fun getting the answers back on. Mm. There yeah. are certain elements in this so far and i can say this because we're on number three yeah yeah like there's been certain parts of this where it's definitely overlapped like the definition of servant leadership everyone has gotten to jesus foot washing at some point obviously (laughs) um kudos to you philippians 2 5 that has not come up yet but this question has brought out some really interesting answers Hmm. um and reflecting on how i would have answered this question I think I would have completely missed the mark because in my Mm. mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I would sit down and work with them to help them understand like, you know, 
teaching and studying and preparation, a mm. lot of that type of stuff. You know, you're here talking about, though, helping them take off the rose colored glasses of realizing, hey, this is hard. This mm -hmm. isn't always easy, especially in youth ministry where you think it's just wacky game time all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. it's hard. Or, you know, you talk about the importance of character like that does matter mm -hmm. a lot. Um, Pastor Will, when he was on here, he talked about listening, good communication and reading a room. Mm. And it was all it's all very people focus first yes. of, yeah. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to communicate to you well, and I want to be able to gauge what are people thinking or how are people acting in the room right now? Yeah. Pastor Ben, he brought up the vastness of the glory of God and an environment of grace. Oh, he would. He would. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's great. Yeah. And it, I, yeah, these answers, you know, it's not the very like, it's not what you would expect, but it's definitely the answers that we need to have yeah. to be there, impressing on future leaders. There's definitely, I think there's definitely skills required for leadership and pastoral ministry, but I think um, a lot of the skills, you know, can be learned or come, can be learned or come secondary to like your character and your purpose. Like I love mm -hmm. that, that Ben wanted to impress that, Hey, we're here for the glory of God and nothing else, yeah. you know? And that will talked about people. Like those are the two yeah. things that we're here for. We're here right. for God's glory and to equip people. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that that happens, but I think in a mentor relationship, like you've got to have the foundation first before you tack on, you know, how do you prepare for uh, a sermon or how do sure. you, you know, lead volunteers, all of these other things are important but I think are definitely secondary to the, to the role. So moving on now to vision, Bill Hybels talks about in courageous leadership, which everyone's tired of me talking about at this point, <laughs> that vision is the thing. Now, I don't necessarily agree completely with everything that he has to say about vision, mm -hmm. but it is important for leadership to have a direction that you're headed in. How did you arrive at the vision you have in your ministry? Yeah, that's um, that's a good question. So I think there's a couple different aspects to this as it pertains to the church or any kind of ministry of the church. There really is only one vision that gets repurposed over and over again, and it's love God and love others. You know, sure. like as followers of Jesus Christ, this, this is our beacon, like that's mm -hmm. our lighthouse. Now, I think you can get very granular in that. Um, you know, I think of certain churches that have a very specific emphasis on, on mission, like local mm -hmm. mission, or international okay. mission, or there are some churches that have a very specific mission of preaching the word. Like that's what we do. And at the end of the day, you can only do so many things. Um, you can't do everything because you can't do everything well. Um, and so I think it's important to understand where you're going and how you want to get your, your people there. So mm. I'll just talk specifically about student ministry because that's, uh, that's what maybe I have the most control over. So we have certain core values at, at Verge Student Ministry, but we often sum it up as, you know, every student is wanted, welcomed, and loved, 
in order to take next steps with Jesus. So we want to create this environment that is welcoming and we want them to take whatever next step with Jesus they might have. Um, like that's the overall vision, mm-hmm. how each, so you're casting vision for a group. And then I think there's a lot of times you're casting vision for individuals, like in your individual discipleship relationships or mentoring relationships, how are you um, helping guide people in whatever next step they need to take mm-hmm. to love God and love other, others better. Um, you know, maybe very specifically this, this year we moved um, programming nights. So we went from Wednesday okay. to Sundays and you ha- like that's vision casting. You have to cast a vision mm. about why you're doing that and um, how it is going to help the ministry or how it's going to mm-hmm. help you reach your, your mission better. Um and so, you know, you've got to talk about why this night is better for our facility or this night is better for students mm-hmm. or, and you have to get people um, at least to understand, maybe not agree with, you know, sure. necessarily <laughs> that granular vision, but at least understand where, where you're headed and why you're, you're doing that. Um, yeah, I think, I think vision is important because it helps move people toward a goal right okay it helps move people towards uh you know the goal that you're laying out i want to i might hop off leadership for a second Mm -hmm. and get on a soapbox because one thing that i definitely learned during my internship here from you and other leaders here in the church is this lesson of we can't do everything well Mm -hmm. you know we we look to do we look to do what is best mm-hmm. for our congregation for those we are ministering to those we are discipling which means we can't do everything mm-hmm. um i don't normally quote john macarthur but even john macarthur has talked about before when you look at the ministry of jesus and the other disciples or of paul none of them actually got to the ends of the earth mm-hmm. jesus's ministry was actually pretty contained mm-hmm. within region and again getting off of the box of leadership and onto something else this is something that i have learned is actually not embraced at all in this world of podcasting hmm. um even among christians it is always pushing out and expanding more and more um which i get it you have to build an audience like mm-hmm. i know all of the i know the ins and out parts of the podcasting world but there doesn't ever seem to be a limit Mm -hmm. there's no ceiling and i think that part of vision casting even we think of vision casting as like this going out for forever but in some ways there's a ceiling at some point Mm -hmm. because you want to do things well still and you can't do everything yeah yeah and i think uh, you know you you can do everything if you want to try. If you want to try. <laughs> but there, there's this like, there's this criteria or this filter of, hey, we want to do this well, or we want to do this excellently, or mm-hmm. we want to um, do this and not that because this aligns with mm-hmm. with our mission, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that is going to look different depending on what you as an individual ministry or church is kind of shooting after. But yeah, if you want to do anything... I think excellently, there are a lot of things that you're going to have to say no to yes. um, in order to do a few things right. And 
and maybe this is personality, but I, you know, I'd rather do a few things really well than a lot of things averagely. Yeah, I, I agree. Or, you know, speaking for myself again with the podcast, my anxiety is a lot less knowing that I don't have to do everything, mm -hmm. you know, or yeah. that I can be more incremental in what I take on mm -hmm. rather than just shotgun fire everything all at once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also I think Claire, you just talk about podcasting, like it clarifies um, an, an audience and it helps people understand where, sure. what they need to do, mm -hmm. what, because people need, uh, people need clear direction. Yeah. I need clear direction, you know, and if you're putting out podcasts about theology and seminary and doctrine, and then, you know, you get a podcast about why of movie critiques or <laughs> about Tom Holland. Yes. A few, or <laughs> the, the Spider -Man NBA. Yeah. You yeah. know, like <laughs> people, you're not going to, you're not going to be that arrow that kind of pierces to a heart and gives direction. Sure. Sure. And that's what you want to do in leadership. Yes. You want to give people a direction. Yep. In your ministry experience, either as a leader or as, you know, you were a volunteer have you ever been in an environment where there was no vision and how did that work out? Oh man. Um, probably. I don't, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> you, you don't have to spill everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yes, I, I can imagine. I, but I think people don't tend to hang around in those environments very long. Okay. And so, you know, unless they have to, um, but I think generally people enjoy being led somewhere um, or enjoy having a goal uh, to, to achieve. I think that's maybe how we are hardwired a little bit, or um, at least we want something to aim for. And so you have an environment that isn't aiming anywhere and you're just kind of gathering and, and being um, with no direction. And <laughs> I think people tend not to hang out in those spaces for very long. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think people want a goal. Yeah. Even if you're not like a goal oriented person, mm -hmm. people just need to know why am I, why am I bothering? Yes. Yeah. yeah. If I'm going to do something, I want to know why and I want to know what, you know? Mm -hmm. So the last area we're going to talk about is being a change agent. How have you been a change agent in the area you lead? Mm-hmm. I think that in pastoral ministry, <laughs> there's this weird, there's this, um, this weird dichotomy of, of you're working and you're trying to impress change, but really the change that we're looking for is heart and soul change that only comes through the work of the spirit. Okay. And so you're, you know, you're, you're trying to be in people's lives and you are trying to disciple or, or mentor or, preach truth, speak truth, um, you know, but really at the end of the day, you are doing things and then giving the change over to the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, so there's an aspect like spiritually and internally where there's nothing I can do, mm. but, but preach the word and wait mm -hmm. on the spirit to work in somebody's life. And like, that's the change that a pastor desires and hopes for. Mm -hmm. And so you're praying towards that end. Mm -hmm. But then I think also you, you are structuring environments and interactions um, 
to get people to the things that will change them. So mm. how are you structuring environment interactions where the word of God is clearly proclaimed and the gospel is unobstructed? Or how are you structuring environments where, um, where prayer is a cornerstone? Or even where, you know, I think about students, where students can come and be a part of community mm-hmm. that they maybe don't have anywhere else. Um, because community is is a lever that you can pull um, okay. to to get people to the gospel or to get people to prayer. And so there's this like structuring of things in the hope that people are, are going to be led to those things that can actually change them okay. uh, spiritually. This has been another question similar to the mentoring one from earlier that the, the answers have been very varied and unique Mm. because like I said, you've been here five years. Will has been in his context for 10 and Ben's only been here for five months. So Mm -hmm. Ben talked a lot about how you don't rush to make changes or for pastor will being in a more liturgical environment where there is tradition and emphasis on tradition. Mm. There are some traditions that you you just can't change. He talked about a few that are very easy to change Mm. that they're actually actively looking at in his, in his context to change. Hmm. But you're the one in the sweet spot of where do you, uh, uh, for this conversation, you know, looking at change, you've been here long enough to be able to embrace it and try to implement it. Mm -hmm. But the way you've answered this is very interesting of let's get to what actually matters Mm -hmm. of preaching the word of God and structuring an environment where change can occur yeah. and leaving it to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 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 I think being faithful in those things that you can be faithful in and being good stewards of, you know, the ministry and the people, specifically the people in those ministries, and then hoping that, you know, this, the spirit will bless that work and that faithfulness. Yeah, I agree. What are then our final question? What are some roadblocks to change? I think there can be a lot of roadblocks to change and not all change is good, right? You know, we know that, but um, some roadblocks to change can be a mentality that um, can be a fear that uh, Mm. change is going going to, you know, leave me without a place. Um, uh, You know, I'm thinking of like individual congregants or even, you know, I talk about, moving nights, programming nights. Mm-hmm. Um, some roadblocks to that change was, you know, well, this is what we've, this is what we've always done. And it's that mentality, that kind of fear of, of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, some roadblocks to change can be really simple. Like, Hey, we don't have the resources for this. Like, okay. We don't have the staff for this. We don't have the budget for this. Um, we can't change because we don't have the infrastructure mm. to, to change. Um, you know, it would be great if we kept programming on Wednesday night, um, we would have been with kids ministry and it would have been one night out for families, but Hey, we couldn't, we didn't have the space. We couldn't throw a student center, you know, a massive new student center on Mm. immediately. So we needed to move nights. Um, so some of the roadblocks to, to change would, I think are simple resource and, and resources. Mm -hmm. Um, I think spiritually, 
there is a spiritual battle that we're we're waging that is a roadblock to to change okay. um yeah i think those are some maybe broad categories i on this idea of fear fear of the unknown um pastor will i i think he put it well um a love of nostalgia mm. you know because that's yeah kind of what breeds that fear of the unknown or Mm -hmm. the fear of change is a love for what is already existing or has existed for so long that to overcome that love and that fear of something different, Mm -hmm. I think is a big roadblock for change, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, that's Mm -hmm. like the bread and butter of leadership. Mm -hmm. Can you come alongside people to encourage them Hey, we can follow Christ even if we do this instead mm-hmm. of this, or this is going to help us reach, you know, our mission mm-hmm. more clearly or better doing this instead of this. And it's 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 really kind of at the end of the day, I think, um, telling a story and and helping people understand uh, where you're going and encouraging yeah. them to come along alongside you. I agree. Well, that is it. I don't have any more questions. Well, I do have one more, the fun one at the very end, but at least on this important part, this is done. So thanks. Thanks for helping me with my homework. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Of course. Any excuse to hang out for a little (laughs) bit, you know? Uh, Thank you listeners for dropping in and listening to this episode. Uh, Feel free to head on down into the description of this episode to find links to a bunch of different stuff like the email, email seminarylife at gmail.com. Let me know if you have any follow-up questions that I can send to these three guys because they are way smarter. (laughs) um, Like I said, if you have not been listening to the last couple of episodes of talking to Pastor Ben and Pastor Will, I know I recapped a lot of it here in this conversation, but definitely go check it out. Hear it in its full. It's going to, they're very great conversations. And next week, Scott, we have a fun episode next week. Okay, so I know we're recording this in September, but this is coming out in October. And next week is the weekend of Halloween, is the next episode up. And it just so happened that last year, I was in Systematic Theology 1, and the episode that came out, ironically, that week's lecture was on demons and Satanology. (laughs) So, you know, like, perfect for Halloween. So to continue this kind of spooky trend Mm -hmm. right around Halloween, our mutual friend, Annie, however you say her last name. um, I got to figure that out. (laughs) Annie is going to come on and we're going to talk about our favorite cult leaders. Oh, interesting. Because it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun to talk about cults and watch documentaries on cults, but also to be fair, what makes them such engaging leaders? Yep. Yep. You know, like they can rally a crowd. Right. Yeah. They can rally a crowd and it doesn't end well most times. So that'd be fun. We haven't recorded it yet, but I'm excited for it. Definitely tune in next week to hear that episode. One last question, Scott. Yes. You know, we, we've been having this side conversation with, I had these side conversations with these other pastors. So I will also ask you, where is your favorite place to go get pizza? Oh, favorite place to go get pizza. Yes. And it doesn't just have to be here. Yeah. I think uh, there's a spot in Valpo. I think it's also down in Crown Point. Tomato Bar. Oh, is, Tomato Bar. Yes, it mm-hmm. is 
I would say maybe more bougie pizza. A little bit. You pay for it, but it is <laughs> it is good. If I want a cheap pizza, right now it's Domino's. Domino's may very well be my favorite cheap pizza as well. It is it is solid it's right good. now. They know what they're doing. Yes. I uh, I will sound like Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec. I really like the calzones at Tomato Bar. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> they're delicious. Yes. Um, but yeah. Okay. Cool. Ben told us what Detroit-style pizza is. Oh, there you go. I mean, if you want to get it, Chicago deep dishes is pretty good. But honestly, deep dish is kind of hard to eat. You know, it's not honest. something I want all the time. No, no. Special occasions. I don't know if we can say that. If uh, Chicago, <laughs> Might have to edit that out. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again for being yeah, here. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. And remember, keep on studying. Is there anybody that I want on the other team? Um, I mean, you don't have to answer that. My whole crew. Yeah, right. <laughs> if I can get my whole crew on the other team.